Good Sunday morning, and welcome to Forgiven, the weekly radio broadcast of Northeast Baptist Church of Danbury. We're happy that you tuned in today, and we hope you will find the program beneficial to you. Now, here's our pastor, Joe Vassett. Bible says in the book of Colossians chapter 3 verse 15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. The word rule there seems pretty self-explanatory to me. Peace should be in control of my heart. Peace should overrule any negative influence or impulse. Peace should overpower fear in my heart. Peace should overpower anxiety in my heart. Peace should overpower stress and worry and discouragement in my heart. I wonder if that's true for you today, right now, with all that you've got going on in your life, does peace rule in your heart or does worry rule? Does peace rule in your heart or does loneliness rule? Does peace rule in your heart or does despair rule? If someone had asked you before you started thinking about peace just now, if someone had said, hey, in one word, tell me what you're feeling today. Would you have said without hesitation, peace? I'm feeling total, overwhelming, calming, comforting, soothing peace. Would that have been your answer? If not, then I'd have to think that you'd agree that peace doesn't rule in your heart today. God says to let peace rule. Maybe you're saying, yeah, pal, but that's easier said than done. I know it may seem like that, but I hope that you'll keep listening. When God says, let peace rule, He's not talking about just any old peace. He's talking about the peace that only he can give. And if God's the one giving the peace and he's telling us to let his peace rule, then it's up to him to deliver if we'll let him. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And then there's another important point to notice. It says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. The peace of God has to be in your heart before it can rule in your heart. The peace of God is a very real commodity, and it's either in your heart or it's not. And only God can put his peace in your heart. You don't have to have a heart filled with turmoil and strife all the time. You don't have to live under a cloud of fear and worry. Discouragement and despair shouldn't be the way of life for anybody. But sadly, the dark cloud of turmoil, strife, fear, worry, discouragement, and despair is what far too many people settle for. Wouldn't you rather have peace than strife? Wouldn't you rather have your heart be governed by peace than to be governed by worry, fear, discouragement, and sorrow? There's a better way than what most people settle for, the best way, and that is to let the peace of God rule in your heart. Here's what most people don't understand about peace. True peace is not the absence of trouble in your life. True peace is the constant, overflowing presence of God in your heart. You may not understand it, but it's true. When the peace of God rules in your heart, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. You'll be encouraged in every circumstance. You'll stay calm through every situation. You'll remain confident through every challenge. When the peace of God rules in your heart, you can be strong when trouble comes. When the peace of God rules in your heart, you can endure uncertain times. When the peace of God rules in your heart, you can continue in spite of setbacks. 
When the peace of God rules in your heart, you can stay calm in the face of threats. When the peace of God rules in your heart, you can rejoice when you're criticized and falsely accused. When the peace of God rules in your heart, you can have confidence when circumstances threaten you. When the peace of God rules in your heart, you can be encouraged when everyone else is discouraged. God wants you to have peace. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. These things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. I heard a man tell his story of faith the other day. He said, when I was a boy, I asked my rabbi, is there any possibility that Jesus was our Messiah? My rabbi said, no, and asked why. He said, because the Messiah will bring peace. Jesus didn't bring peace. The man said, I put that answer away in my brain and I moved ahead in life. He said that some other things happened to him in his life that really shook his confidence in the faith of his childhood until finally he came to realize two things. First, that Jesus didn't bring peace to the entire world. He brings peace to any individual who wants it. And second, that Jesus' work on earth isn't finished. He promised that he's coming back to bring peace to the world after he cleans up the mess that we've made of it. That man put his faith in Jesus for salvation, and now he knows what Jesus was saying when he promised, my peace I give unto you. If you keep waiting for the circumstances of your life to be perfectly peaceful, you're going to spend the rest of your life in extreme disappointment. But as soon as you begin to understand and believe that true peace is not the absence of trouble in your life, true peace is the constant overflowing presence of God in your heart, as soon as you choose to understand and believe that and act on it, you'll begin to enjoy a peace that will endure and grow no matter what is going on around you. In fact, your peace will multiply as your challenges and your difficulties multiply. You'll understand what the writer of the old hymn meant when he wrote, there's a peace in my heart that the world never gave, a peace it cannot take away. Though the trials of life may surround like a cloud, I have a peace that has come there to stay. If you freak out when trouble comes, you don't have peace. If you lash out at other people, if you have a hot temper, if you worry and fret and stew about things, if you're constantly discouraged, if you accuse and criticize and tear people down, you don't have peace. If you sow discord and create conflict wherever you go, if you're constantly comparing and competing with everybody in your life, you don't have peace. God wants to give you his peace, a peace that will remove your need to escape by getting drunk or by getting high or by bringing even more pain and hurt into your life. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. It's sad that so many people who call themselves Christians don't have peace. They're discouraged. They're angry. They're bitter. They don't have the peace of God ruling in their hearts. In the Bible book of 2 Kings chapter 6, there's a great example of someone who had the peace of God ruling in his heart. The man's name was Elisha. The king of Syria and his army had set up an ambush for the people of Israel to rob and plunder them. They'd scouted out the most traveled routes of Israelite commerce, and they camped out there and waited for Israel's caravans to pass through loaded with valuable goods so they could attack and steal from them. 
But while the Syrian king had been making his plans, the Lord spoke to the prophet Elisha and told him, tell the king of Israel to block all travel down that road. So Elisha tipped off the king of Israel. The king closed that highway and nobody shows up. Nobody comes by, not one single person. So the Syrians do some more scouting. They move their camp to a different busy highway. The Lord warns Elisha again. Elisha warns the king of Israel again. The king closes the highway again. And Syria comes up empty a second time. The whole process happens a third time. So finally, the king of Syria meets with his planning team and says, we've got a mole in here. Our meetings are supposed to be confidential, but clearly somebody in this room is sharing information with the king of Israel. Because as soon as we agree on a new location, the traffic dries up there. One of the king's staffers speaks up and he says, Your Majesty, our intelligence has learned that there's a preacher in Israel named Elisha. His God is telling him about our locations. And the preacher is the one informing the king of Israel. The king of Syria said, we're going to have to pay that preacher a visit. So the king sends his entire army down to deal with Elisha. Elisha's sitting in his little house one morning and his assistant is there with him. Elisha's having his coffee, reading his paper. His assistant looks out the window and he sees that the entire Syrian army has their house surrounded. He says, Elisha, Elisha, we've got trouble, big trouble. Elisha says, I know, we're fine. His servant says, no, you don't understand. They've got thousands of soldiers. We're surrounded. Elisha doesn't even look up. He says, don't panic. We've got them outnumbered. The servant says, what are you talking about? There's two of us. Elisha says, look again. And as he does, he prays, Lord, open his eyes. The servant looks out the window again and sees that, yes, the Syrians do have them surrounded. But this time, he looks beyond the Syrian army and sees that the armies of heaven have the Syrians surrounded. Elisha calmly gets up from his chair, walks over to the door. As he does, he prays, Lord, you opened my servant's eyes, now blind the Syrians' eyes. As Elisha opens the door, the entire Syrian army goes blind. And Elisha says, morning, boys, can I help you? Their captain's pretty confused, but he says, um, we're looking for a preacher named Elisha. Elisha says, oh, you're in the wrong place. I'll take you where you need to go. And one prophet of God leads the entire Syrian army straight to the city of Samaria where the king of Israel and his armies were. And when the Syrians were surrounded by the Israelite army, Elisha prayed, Lord, please open their eyes. The king of Israel fed the army a nice big meal and sent them home. And Elisha went back to his house safely. Every step of the way, Elisha never lost the peace of God in his heart. You say, well, man, I'd have the peace of God too if my problems were surrounded by the armies of heaven. And that is unfortunately what most Christians fail to understand. God does have all your problems surrounded. He's given you a book full of promises that tell you that. Here's a few. Matthew 6, 26. Behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. And yet, your heavenly Father feedeth them. 
Are ye not much better than they? Matthew 28, verse 20. I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. John 16, verse 33. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Those three verses are just for starters. If you're close to the Lord, you've got nothing to worry about. God's got everything under control. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. So let's talk about how to let the peace of God rule in your heart. Of course, the place where everything begins with God is by you choosing to make Jesus your Savior, what the Bible calls salvation by God's grace through your faith in Him. If you've never been saved, that's where you have to begin. The Bible talks about three different aspects of God's peace. First, it tells us that He is the God of peace. And then it talks about having peace with God. And then it talks about the peace of God. You can't have the peace of God until you have peace with the God of peace. And you make peace with God, the God of peace, by coming to him on his terms and putting your faith in his son, Jesus, for your salvation. Why is that even necessary? Because every one of us has sinned against God. The Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us has rebelled against God. We've chosen to be our own gods. When you were young, you were innocent in God's sight. It wasn't that you never did anything bad when you were a small child, but rather you didn't know that you were sinning against God. Therefore, God didn't hold you accountable. He saw you as innocent. The Bible says, sin is not imputed when there is no law. In Romans 7, verse 9, the Apostle Paul said, I was alive without the law once. He's saying we weren't dead in sin before we could understand God's laws. And then he says, but when the commandment came, that is, when I was old enough to understand right and wrong, sin revived and I died. See, there comes a moment in every person's life when we know what is right and wrong before God and we choose to do wrong anyway. We choose to turn our backs on God and be our own gods. From that point on, we are rebellious sinners in God's sight. To make matters worse, our rebellion carries a mandatory sentence of eternal damnation. There is a place of eternal punishment called hell. And when we choose to rebel against our Creator, we choose that punishment for ourselves. The Bible says, the fearful and unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. If you think damnation is an undue punishment for rebelling against our Creator, then you don't comprehend the person of God, and you don't appreciate how despicable our rebellion is to a holy God. The Bible says that all our righteousnesses, the very best we can do, are as filthy rags. Why? Because they are done in rebellion against our God. When you say, I'll just make my good works outweigh my bad works, you're raising your fist in more rebellion against God saying, I'll show you God, I'll do it my way. When you say, I don't think I've sinned against God, that's just more rebellion because he says you have. When you say, I don't think my sin is deserving of eternal damnation, that's just more rebellion, 
You're contradicting the clear words of God. Someone says, I just don't see how a benevolent God can allow anyone to suffer eternal punishment. They might have a case, just maybe, if God had not provided a remedy for our sin that works for everybody. It's available to everybody. Nobody has to face the consequences of their sins. Nobody. Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead so that every last human being can be forgiven of our rebellion and live forever. Your sins are all paid for. And now God extends to you an invitation repeated many times throughout the Bible to plead guilty of your sin and turn to Jesus for salvation. Won't you do that today? You won't have peace with God until you do. It begins by you simply saying yes in your heart. Yes, you're ready to believe on Jesus. The Bible says, with the heart man believes unto righteousness. And once you've said yes in your heart, then tell God for yourself. The Bible says, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you've said yes to God's invitation in your heart, then pray and tell him that you're receiving Christ. If you're not exactly sure what to say, let me walk you through a simple prayer. Tell him, dear God, I know I have sinned against you. I'm sorry. I want your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe that Jesus rose again from the dead. Right now, I'm receiving Jesus as my Savior. Jesus, come into my life. Save me from my sins. Take me to heaven when I die. Help me to know you while I live. Amen. The choice you just made is what the Bible calls being saved by grace through faith. And it's that choice that causes you to be at peace with God. The Bible says in Romans 5 verse 1, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Being at peace with God is the very first step in letting the peace of God rule in your heart. If you made that choice today, praise the Lord. So whether you just made the choice to be saved by grace through faith in Jesus a moment ago, or you made the choice to be saved by grace through faith in Jesus 30 years ago, you still have to make the effort to let the peace of God rule in your heart every day. It's not something that you obtain one time and then you forget about it. It's something that you must maintain every day. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. So let's take a few minutes to talk about how the Bible says to do that. For one thing, if you want the peace of God to rule in your heart, you've got to live in your salvation every day. Salvation isn't just something you received five years ago or five minutes ago. Salvation is a place that you need to live every day. Ephesians chapter 6 describes the spiritual armor that every believer needs to put on every day if we want to be victorious. It says, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
One of the pieces of the armor is the helmet of salvation. What does it mean to put on the helmet of salvation every day? Does that mean you have to get saved again every day? No, it can't mean that. That would be contrary to everything the Bible teaches about salvation. No, putting on the helmet of salvation means that your mind lives in your salvation every day. Every day you make yourself aware all over again that you have put your faith in Jesus' finished work on the cross and his resurrection, that your sins are forgiven once and for all, that you've been reconciled to God through Jesus, that God has given you eternal life and infinite blessings that come with his salvation. Live in your salvation every day. Own it. Embrace it. Celebrate it. Praise him for it. And learn as much as you can about it every day. Salvation is so much more than an experience that you had 20 years ago. It's a wonderful place where you and I need to live on purpose every day. If you want to enjoy the peace of God, live in your salvation every day. Romans 5.1 says, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you want the peace of God to rule in your heart, don't let a day go by that you don't rejoice in your salvation and let your mind be filled with the truths of it. Here's another thought about how to let the peace of God rule in your heart. Psalm 119 verse 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. That's pretty cut and dry. If you love your Bible, you'll have great peace. A peace so great that nothing can steal it from you. Here's a place where a lot of believers forfeit their peace. Either they neglect their Bibles altogether, or they have such a mechanical, ritualistic habit of reading their Bibles that they don't let God's Word speak to them. I read the Bible every day, but not to be a good Christian, not to make some check marks on a paper, not so I can say to God, there God, I read my Bible like I'm supposed to, so now you have to bless me. I don't read my Bible to be a good Christian any more than I eat to be a good human. I eat because I'm hungry, and I read my Bible because I'm hungry. I want God's words to fill my mind and my heart, to strengthen me, to encourage me, to instruct me, to teach me. That's why I immerse myself in the Bible. When I was about 12 or 13 years old, I realized that there were older people in our church who loved the Bible. They couldn't get enough of it. I read the Bible because I was supposed to, but I couldn't say that I loved it. So I began to pray, Lord, I don't love your word, but I want to love your word. Would you please teach me what it means to love your word? And gradually, over time, I fell in love with God's word. And now, I couldn't live without the Bible. I need it. I thrive on it. I love it with all my heart. When I face a challenge, it's my love for God's word that gives me peace and gets me through it. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Another way to cause the peace of God to rule in your heart is to keep your mind focused on God. Listen to this promise in Isaiah 26, 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. This promise sounds a little different because it's written in the second person with the prophet speaking to God. That's a method of writing that's used throughout the Bible. It's no less the word of God and no less a valid promise of God. This promise has carried me through many a difficult time, even times of severe physical pain. In a nutshell, it states that trusting in the Lord causes him to keep us, not just to keep us, but to keep us in peace. And not just peace, but perfect peace. And how do we demonstrate that we're trusting the Lord? By keeping our minds 
stayed on him, focused on him. When you want the peace of God to reign in your heart, work to keep your mind focused on him by worshiping him, by praising him, by singing to him, by quoting his word, by praying, whatever it takes to keep your mind focused on your God. Keeping your mind focused on him demonstrates that you trust him. And when you demonstrate that you trust him, he promises to keep you in perfect peace. Let me testify that he has done that for me time and time again, and he has never failed to do it. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Galatians 5.16 says, walk in the spirit. And then verse 22 says that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. Now, I know that it lists altogether nine manifestations of the fruit of the spirit there, but we're talking about letting the peace of God rule in our hearts. So I want to point out that when we walk in the spirit, the spirit of God produces his fruit of peace in our lives. If you want God's peace to rule in your heart, Christian, then learn what it means to walk in the spirit. One of the greatest lacks in all of Christianity is the failure of most Christians to even try and understand what it means to walk in the spirit, let alone to do it. One final thought, maybe the most important one. If you want the peace of God to rule in your heart, take everything to God in prayer. Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The hymn says, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Every need, every heartache, every problem, every fear, every question, every weakness, every failure, every doubt. Take them all to the Lord in prayer. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It takes effort. It takes focus. It takes growth. But you can learn and keep learning to let the peace of God rule in your heart. Thank you for tuning in today. God bless you. Have a great week. The people of Northeast Baptist Church thank you for spending a few minutes with us this morning. We appreciate your time, and we hope that you enjoyed the Forgiven broadcast. If you'd like to contact us with a comment or a prayer need, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at forgiven at nbcdanbury.org or you can call the church office at 203-798-7088. We invite you to join our live stream service this morning at 11. You can watch it at nbcdanbury.org on our Northeast Baptist Church Facebook page or on our YouTube channel. If you enjoyed the radio broadcast, you'll love our church services. We'll see you again next Sunday morning at 7. God bless you and have a great week.